listening to First Church Charlotte. Uh, I've been preaching for a while on the goodness of God. I didn't know I was doing a series, uh, but uh, I, I ended up, here I am three Sundays in a row preaching about the goodness of God. So let me get started by saying this. God has been good to you. Uh, I hope that's not too simple for you because it's going to be a long Sunday service if that's too simple for you. Uh, God has been good to you. DD, God has been good to you. Can I get a better amen than that? Carlos, God has been good to you. I need to hear an amen from your wife. Come on, that's what I'm talking about right there. God has been good to you. Adam, God has been very good to you. I see you snuggling up beside Valeria there. That's right. My God, I don't know how she's going to breathe if you get any closer to her in this service here today. I just want to say God has been good to you. Amen. Who should I pick on on this side of the church? Y'all ready to be picked on? Whoop, what? Antonella in the house. God has been good to you. God's been better to that guy you married, but, but God has been good to you. You see what I'm saying? Can I get an amen from this side of the church over here? Amen. I'm preaching about the goodness of God, and I, I, I fell into this series in Psalms 23, totally unintentional, and I can't get past the first passage of it. I'm just stuck there. Hopefully, we'll move on soon. In the meantime, you just have to suffer. You're not lucky. It's not your day. We're stuck right here in the goodness of God. The Lord is my shepherd, somebody say. I have everything I need. I need some of you to integrate that into your attitude here today. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Say those last that last phrase with me. He restores my soul. Praise God. I might have to preach here today. I, I, I was just going to give you a little lecture, but I, I, I guess maybe you're going to get yelled at again, and I'm sorry in advance, but uh, here we go. Uh, God loves to restore, and one of the great themes of the Scripture is the theme of restoration. Yes. There's not a person here today, however good your circumstances might be, you, every single person here has the testimony of God restoring their soul. Um, we are not very good at the care of our soul. Let me, let me just get real here for a moment. Um, we're really good at uh, satisfying the flesh. And we're really good at entertaining the mind. Not very good at caring for our souls. Because unlike our bodies, our souls don't nag. Our souls weaken. Your body nags. But your soul weakens. Also, your mind gets bored. Your soul doesn't get bored. Your soul gets weak. Uh, and so although you are quite used to your flesh prompting you, Man, some cheesecake could be good right now. 
don't know what it is, but every Sunday afternoon, I think to myself how good a Shake Shack shake would be. It's like a demon. It's like a demon. Uh, When I'm done on Sunday, I don't want to go sit anywhere a long time. I want to go get something fast, and the demon shows up, and he always has a forked tail, and he's holding a straw and a shake from Shake Shack in the other hand, and it's always a vanilla malt, and he's always saying, come by here, P-Nate, come by here. And so uh, P-Nate's my nickname in the, the work groups that the church has, and that's why it's like a joke. People call me P-Nate because that's my nickname in the group. So inside joke, uh, now you've all caught up. We aren't very good at the care of our soul because our soul is the most polite of all our needs. Yeah. Our flesh is like uh, angry, hungry, tired teenager. Yes. You see Our mind is like a teenager who hasn't had electronics. What's the Wi-Fi password? (laughs) Our soul is the most polite of the things that make us up. And unfortunately, we get in the habit of choosing everything. We take care of our body, we take care of our minds, but we do not take care of our souls. And we wonder why we begin to live with a sense of being a, a life without foundations. It's because foundations do not come from entertainment, and foundations do not come from the satiation, the satisfaction of the flesh. They come from the care of your soul. You see, if you wait till trouble comes to start caring for your soul, it will be as though you went to the bank account to withdraw some money, but the bank account was empty and the banker asked for your name. We need to start caring for our souls. And can some church folks say amen? Now, this is true not just for people who are not currently living right, going to church right, doing the right. This is true for for all of us because I want to maybe surprise some of you. Sometimes us church folks, us religious people, us goody two-shoes, us fancy and fine people, we get in a habit of religion and we don't really care for our soul. We know how to attend, but we forget how to pray. We remember how to sing, but we forget that the discipline of our flesh is part of the care and the feeding of our souls. So I want to challenge all of you here today that restoration, when it comes, will primarily be about your soul, not about how much money you have in the bank. I hope you have money in the bank. I've had money and I've had no money, and it's better to have money. Just You can write that down. I want to say this. However, God is not primarily interested in fixing your circumstances. He's interested in fixing you. All of these other things are symptoms. They are, as it were, uh, lights on a dashboard, gauges on a control cluster that are showing us things are okay or things are not okay, or things are kind of trending in a negative direction, or they are trending in a positive direction. So it is in the care of our soul. He restores our soul. There is no wholeness unless God is the one to give it to us. Nothing can make us whole. The real gift of God in the believer's life is the manner in which he restores us. In fact, I would say it this way. The greatest theme in the word of God, the greatest theme from Genesis to Revelation, is one of divine 
intentional spiritual restoration. God made us. He breathed the life uh, we have into us, and through sin, we lost our way. But God said, I love you enough that I will do what you cannot do, and I will restore you. I love to think of it this way. Um, God uh, showed us how committed he was to us. Uh, Let me say it this way. Uh, Look at Jesus. He is God's hope for what the human race could be. It would have been ever so easy to give up on us, but look at him. Living, serving, giving, showing us a way back to right relationship. Oh, praise God, somebody. How many of you want to be restored in your mind? How many of you know what it means to be restored? How many of you have a praise in your heart right now because God did not leave you in the mess he found you in, but he has restored you and renewed you and reformed you? I've come to preach it another Sunday. God is good. God loves to restore. He restores my soul. And this theme of restoration is from Genesis to Revelations. Uh, You'll find it in all of the great patriarchs. You'll find it in the characters of the Word of God, the New Testament uh, also. Let me read Job 42 and 10. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Restoration, restoration, restoration. God is interested in restoring. Uh, You'll see first in this uh, scripture, and if I have time, I'll get into it. Uh, Full confession, though I preached this in the first service, I didn't even have time to come back to the scripture here, Job 42 and 10, where Job is transformed. He is no longer fighting with his friends, no longer arguing with his friends, no longer blaming his friends, but now he is in a position to speak the goodness of God toward them. He prays for them, and this is directly related in some way of spiritual instruction and divine teaching to see the beginning of restoration in his life. And so uh, we see this same idea of restoration in the New Testament also. Scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. The new creation has come. The old is gone. And all things are new. The new is here. Restoration is fundamental to our spiritual journey. It is foundational to God's commitment to the church. Uh, The church is primarily a restoration station. It is where God takes what is left after sin, uh, after Satan, after sorrow, after brokenness, after loss, uh, ravages uh, the life of a person that God loves. Um, God doesn't just have an eye for beautiful things. God loves all his children, and he uh, finds us and he gathers us and uh, even the uh, leavings of the wild beast that has come to destroy uh, even if it's just as the poet in the Old Testament said even if it's just uh, a few ribs and a piece of an ear uh, God can restore and I want to speak over whatever hot mess you're living in whatever you're facing whatever pain you wakes you up in the middle of the night uh, whatever disappointment don't act like you don't have disappointments I'm glad you dressed up and you look fancy on Sunday I love fancy people on Sunday, and our church is full of fancy people, because when you get fancy, I feel like I don't have to try as hard, and it makes me happy uh, that we have fancy people here in the house of the Lord, because honestly, if it was just me, I could just be in just regular old normal clothes. I I, I don't have to be fancy, but I love, we've got some fancy people. You're so fancy that when you walk,
walk by somewhere, somewhere, uh, some fashion designer, a size. When you walk by, they're just like, Jesus, touch him. That, that's what it's like in this church. You some so many fancy people here. But I, I, I want, I, I'm glad you look good. But I, I want you to know that um, <laughs> if it is not for uh, the ability of God to take the struggle of our lives and bring spiritual restoration to it and through it, then our testimony will always be lacking. Because testimony is on the other side of restoration. Uh, it's easy for us to despair. Despair is when uh, the problem is bigger than you are, and you you kind of just you, you kind of toss your hands into the air. But uh, let me remind you that despair is a type of spiritual paralysis. Uh, and when the enemy can cause the church to despair, it freezes us in place. Uh, this is important because a lot of your personal effectiveness in the kingdom of God, the talents you have been invested in, if the enemy can get you to the point of despair, you'll quit trying to use them for the kingdom of God. You'll go into, are you ready for this? I don't, I'm, 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 I'm not being ugly. I'm sweet. I'm sweet. I'm, I'm, I'm not being ugly. What it'll do, you'll go into survival mode. You see, all of us know what it means to survive. All of us know that survival matters and you have to keep on going. How many of you have been hit so hard, all you could do was just try to show up? <laughs> there was no joy in your life. You ever show up and fake it? I know it's, it's probably just me. It's probably just me. You show, But some of you guys, some of you guys don't know what this is because you were born a trust fund baby and you've had nothing but good health all your life. But some, you, I'll never forget one time I, le I left, true story, I, I, I forgot. God, I was supposed to preach a youth event, and I has asked the doctor. I'm, I'm a cancer survivor, so for five years, I lived with a lot of fear. I went to the doctor, and because of a symptom I had, the doctor told me, he sat down. I'll never forget. I'm sitting in the chair. He sat down. He put his hand on, on my knee, and he said, Nathan, I, 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 I'm sorry to have to say this to you, but you need to begin preparing yourself emotionally for the fact that you've probably reoccurred. Your cancer has reoccurred. And um, I'm sitting there, and I forgot all, I had to preach a youth service that night. And I walked out of that place, and on the way, driving out of the place, I remembered I had to preach a youth service that night. Now, any sane person would have canceled, but my dad taught me the preacher doesn't cancel the day of. The preacher shows up and fakes it like a good man of God. That's what the preacher does. You don't cancel at the last minute. In fact, sometimes I get a little bitter. People's like, oh, I wasn't feeling good. I stayed home. I say, I hate you on the inside. Uh, what do I get to do? I don't get to stay home. What is this staying home business? Oh, someone hurt my feelings. Jesus, take the wheel. I have to show up and act like I love people, and I don't. I'm mad. I'm angry. You see, I remembered I had to preach that deal. So you know what I did? I went home. I cried a little while, felt sorry for myself. I'm a PhD in feeling sorry for myself. I cried a little while, felt sorry for myself a little while, went to my closet, put on some church clothes to try to compete with the fancy people, went to church and preached. I didn't have an ounce of nothing. I didn't, and, you, and, and you know what? If you've served God more than a minute, you understand the feeling of, of survival. You don't quit just because times got hard. You don't give up just because the enemy scored a punch. You don't walk out of the house of God because the road became straight and narrow. But you say that God who brought me this far can take me all the way home. The God who invested his Holy Spirit in me can take me all the way to heaven's gate. You're not done with me. I'm not feeling good at the moment, but you're on the throne. 
That's, it's not just me. I mean, this house is full. I have, I have sat with some of you when your world had been wrecked. And let me get more real than that. Some of you right now are living with rubbish, wreckage all around you, and you're trying to hold it together. And I, all of us are uh, kind of shocked uh, by what's going on in Europe right now and these horrible videos coming out of cities that once were lively centers, and they're just, they are like, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's like Stalin has come through uh, Stalingrad. I mean, it's just, it's just horrific, and uh, here we are. And, uh, you know, um, and it's going to be that way, but a day will come where someone will have to decide to pick up a brick. <sighs> is that fair? This is real world. At some point, someone's going to pick up a brick, and they're going to say, uh, let's organize this over here. And then they're going to say, oh, okay, that's got to come out of the road. And they're going to start the process of restoration. We're not very good at taking care of our soul, but God knows every detail of our life. God knows every mistake. He knows every lust of the flesh, every struggle with pride, every lust of the eye. And God is committed to you. And God is not going to let the rubbish of your life be the end of the story. Some of you who aren't sleeping right now, you are worried. I want you to know a day is going to come when there will be restoration. Angie, I want to speak to you today in front of everybody, and I want to say a day of restoration is coming into your life in Jesus' name. Do I have any faith in the house from our sister right here? I want you to know a day of restoration is, 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 is coming into, into our life. But a despair paralyzes us. The problem is bigger than us, so we go into survival mode. And so despair is a type of spiritual paralysis. It robs us of purpose. It robs us of agency. And it blinds us to our own potential despair. Uh, make sure that however far we've gotten, that's as far as we can get. And we are stuck and frozen in that that despair. Uh, restoration, however, is the act of God, this divine act of God where uh, he begins the process of not just fixing what's wrong in our world, but fixing us in the midst of a broken world. This is the restoration of soul. This is where the writer says, he restores my soul. Around me is any number of pain, trouble, and sorrow, but in my soul, it is well. In my spirit, it is well. He restores my soul. God comes along and he begins to offer concrete and actionable. Did you hear that verb I used for your listening pleasure? Actionable uh, uh, method whereby you can begin to once again enter into spiritual newness of life. Every one of you is a survivor. And I want to say, first of all, thank God that you had the grit to stick it out. I love me some people who don't quit just because some trouble comes. Drama queens exhaust me. Full stop, period. Drama queens exhaust me. Sometimes I'm the drama queen, and my wife has to tell me if I don't shut up, she's going to beat me in every room in the house, and I have to just I have to just hush up right at that very moment right there. I'm telling you, I respect all of you survivors, but I want you to know surviving can be a coping mechanism. Surviving can be a way of just toughing it out. Let me tell you, surviving is not flourishing. Surviving is not flourishing. Surviving is I went to church anyway. 
surviving is my God, it's not time to quit. I commend your toughness of spirit. And I say, here, here, the most beautiful thing in a person is grit. I love me some grit. There's lots of intelligence, but not much grit. I love me some grit. So all my survivors, I want to say blessings be upon you. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. I say good things, but I want you to know the end of the story is not survive. I went through tough times, but God helped me to survive. There's something on the other side of survival. He wants to restore your soul. So let's real quick talk about three things that damages our soul. And I'm, I'm going to try in some way to give you um, not just a type of understanding, but a type of understanding that has handles on it. You can carry it with you and you can apply it in uh, the various arenas of your life that either apply to yourself or the people you love and influence in, in your life. The first type of damage to your soul is the damage of cruel people. Um, cruel people can hurt you in a way that it... I, I, Honestly, the year it takes years to fix, and less rather than dividing humanity into the good and the bad, uh, which is always a mistake. Remember, I preached a couple weeks ago. If you're the good guy in your story, you can be sure you're the one telling it, and not God, because <laughs> it's not. God. <laughs> um, you, you you have to see, you have to understand. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So rather than grouping people into good people and bad people, cruel people, and nice people, let's just say to the most of the people who have been cruel to you, it didn't feel cruel to them. Yes. Not in that moment. Now, there are broken people. There are toxic people. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a different message, uh, but don't miss that service because you need to hear it. <laughs> but most people are not toxic, yet they can be cruel. They might have been trying to be funny. Have you noticed that every time someone tries to be funny, it always involves taking a little chance? They take a little chance. And if it works, it's hilarious. If it doesn't, somebody gets offended. That's all you need to know about my ministry right there. <laughs> See, I, I've given you insight right there. I, I, I love to make people laugh. I try hard at Sometimes I miss it. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Um, they might have been trying to be funny, and it hurt you, do you see? Uh, they were cruel to you, but this is what I have seen. I have seen people give up their potential in God because of what someone said about them. Uh, yes, they survived it, but they're not flourishing. They have given up the restoration of their soul. And so, yes, people can hurt you. And one of the number one reasons why people lose a relationship with God is because of church hurt. Uh, people they thought they should be safe with actually made a mistake with them, and they were in some way injured by someone who should have known better, and they can't get beyond that church hurt. Uh, the damage of cruel people is real, but I want to uh, give you a couple scriptures on this subject, and let's start with uh, Job 5 and 2. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish senseless thing to do. Uh, what someone has done, what they have said, how they have hurt you, that is all in yesterday, okay? That's all in yesterday. Uh, to worry yourself to death with it would be a foolish and a senseless thing to do. Job will say a few chapters later, 18 and 4, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. Right. And so uh, we all of us have a past 
that there is damage that is taken into our soul. And if all we do is survive it, if all we do is survive it, it's not that we lose our faith, although some people do. It's not that we quit going to church, although some people do. What it is is that we lose the ability to flourish because we are stuck in what happened to us in uh, some past circumstance where someone was very cruel to us. Let me tell you the second way your soul takes on continuing and real damage is the effects of sin that are working themselves out in your life. Uh, Forgiveness is not the same thing as getting away with it. (laughs) Oh, this is so discouraging. I don't even want to say it. I'm discouraged already, okay? Uh, Somebody say amen from the spiritual team right here. Okay, all right, thank you. If y'all are stay with me, I'll tell you something discouraging, okay? (laughs) Y'all ready to be discouraged? Here it comes. God can forgive you your sins and you still go to prison. (laughs) So depressing, isn't it? I I thought it was a get out of jail free card. You know, I I robbed three liquor stores. (laughs) I went to church and repented and God sent me to, the the Lord let me go to prison. Well, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, uh, The Lord will clean up the spiritual mess of your life, but the judge down at the courthouse... Man, it's discouraging it, and I should better get right off this. So there's a damage taken onto your soul, real damage taken onto your soul through the effects of sin. Um, some sin, uh, the, the public nature of it, it becomes this kind of flag you have to spend the rest of your life living down. And that's sometimes worse in uh, small groups of uh, religious people because sometimes, you know, the favorite sin of religious people is vanity. Uh, and one of the ways you feed vanity is look at people who you think are worse than you. That's the way you feed vanity. And you kind of keep a survey as, you know, I'm more spiritual than Don. Uh, Don's more spiritual than Melix. And, uh, and all of us are more spiritual than Adam. And you... you, 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 you uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have to say that. You already knew that, right? Um, so I, what am I trying to say here? The, the way you feed pride is to create a hierarchy. That's what the Pharisees did. You, you feed your pride by creating a hierarchy. And then you create a false uh, righteousness. Uh, and then you judge people by a false righteousness. I don't have time for that. Anyway, uh, the point being, uh, here we are and this sin. You spend your life living down. It's real damage and it affects you. Now, let me uh, get to something else here. Uh, there's sin that isn't public and you think you got away with it, but my brother, my sister, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Um, It damages our soul, and our souls need to be restored. Faith comes out of this restored soul. Why is it that children are so easy to have faith? And there's a purity to them, a restored soul, uh, or shall I say a not non-damaged soul. They, they, just, they just have this sense of, uh, well, of course God would do it, but you get older, you know the stuff you think you got away with. And now your faith begins, you understand, out of purity of heart comes purity of faith. And our secret sin is not so secret in terms of our soul because the first damage of sin is to the soul and Christ, uh, through his mercy, must restore our soul. 
I know we like to say that, you know, we're not sinners anymore, and we talk about sin as people who don't go to church, but I want to just remind all of you that all of you who have a door, do you have a door in your life? The sin is waiting right by that door. Do you have a door? How many doors do you have? That's how many times you have sin waiting right in your life. All of us need the restoration of our soul. All of us need an altar where we humble ourselves and we repent and we confess because this opens the door for truth to set us free. We're no longer deceiving ourselves about ourselves. Sin destroys. It is like taking on damage. And I know we like to blame the devil and we talk about, you know, we get our songs, I stepped into the water, the water was cold, chilled my body, but not my soul. Uh, And we have the good us and the bad devil. But oh, let me tell you something about you. Uh, The devil ain't the only one in you. Uh, Jesus ain't the only one in you either. Oh, I killed it. That's all it took to kill it here today. Let me read Psalms 34, verse number 38, verse number four. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm bowed down and brought low. All day long I go about mourning. My guilt has overwhelmed me. It has damaged my soul. Let me read Proverbs 20, 27. The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience we can't hide from ourselves. Sin damages our soul. The third way our soul takes on damage that must be restored. Remember the first is uh, the uh, dealing with people who hurt us, the pain that comes from people. The second was the effects of sin on our, uh, our the, the real us, the me you can't see on our soul. And the third one is the damaging of, of, of grief where we carry a, a, a heavy, heavy burden. Uh, Psalms 31, verse number nine, Lord, have mercy because I am in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying and my whole being is tired from grief. These are three examples. It's not all of them, but it's, it's enough for teaching purposes. Three examples of the type of damage that our soul takes through circumstance. And uh, none of these stories can just be a simple, I'm good, everyone else is bad, or I didn't deserve this, or God's unfair. None of it is that simple. Remember, the damage of cruel people, it didn't feel cruel to them. And then secondly, the damage of sin, it didn't feel like sin at the time. If being with you is wrong, I don't want to be right. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. Save these sinners in this church house. I want you to know it didn't feel like sin at the time. It just felt like uh, sin has damaged. And thirdly, the damage of grief. There was nothing I could do to prepare for this. I I knew it could happen. I knew trouble could come. I knew the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But I was totally unprepared for the experience of grief that came into my life. It's so tragic. Uh, When you see people go through heartbreaking times and you know that you cannot carry their burden for them. You can pray for them. You can try to hold up their arms, but you cannot carry their burden for them. The more you love them, the harder it is until you get to a point where you have someone saying to someone else, if I could carry this burden for you, I would carry it, but I cannot carry this burden for you. Lord, have mercy, the psalmist says. I am in misery. I can't stop crying. My whole body is tired from grief. This is how grief breaks us down. It's the kind of weariness that you can't fix with a nap. 
a heaviness. And here the Lord comes and he uh, promises spiritual restoration of our soul. I want to preach this to you here today. God is good. And one of the ways he is good is he restores your soul. I want to preach this to everybody in this house. If you've gone through any difficulty in your life, I want to preach one of the ways that God is good to you is he restores your soul. The tears keep coming. The tears keep flowing. uh, But one of the ways God is good is he restores your soul. And this isn't just about survival. This isn't just about survival. Survival, I have a lot of respect for survival, as I've said. But survival is just a way stop on a spiritual journey. It's not enough for you just to survive. God wants to restore your soul until you get to a point where you have a a wholeness that has returned to you. You're not just in survival mode. And this is why, I believe, one of the reasons why you'll see again and again the scriptures tell us to sing to the Lord a new song. Have you ever thought about the uniqueness of that? God doesn't suffer a lack of creativity. God can say, let there be, and there be a million species of ants. And spend a lifetime studying ants, and you, don't, you can only quote about 200 of them. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? God does not suffer a creativity problem. Why does he want to hear you sing a new song if God doesn't have a creativity problem? Because your ability to harness your spirit and your creativity is a sign of spiritual flourishing, not just spiritual survival. And as long as hell can keep you just making it, you'll have no impact on anybody else. As long as the enemy can keep you just showing up, bless God, I made it one my, you'll have no impact on anybody else. Something happens when your soul is restored. It's as though you want to do something. I don't want to just sing an old song. I want to do something. What can I do? What can I do? Huh? I, I want to do something here today. Oh, let's see. What do I want to? I just want to tell you how good you are today. Uh, that didn't work at all. Let me try something else. You are in a place of flourishing. You're not just surviving. Oh, uh, uh, he's good. He's good all the time. All the time. He's good. Nah, I don't really like that one either. The Melix rolled his eyes. Okay. But I'm not quitting because I'm in a mood to create something. Do you see how a new song is a sign of flourishing and God would like you to flourish? <laughs> Uh, again, let me say, I commend you survivors. God bless you. I loves me some survivors. Uh, how about a new song? He restoreth my soul. He's not leaving me here holding my breath and gritting my teeth. No, a day is going to come, and the tears are going to dry. The sun is going to rise in my life, and I'm going to greet the promises of God as one who expects his continued goodness in my life. So uh, real quick, a couple of things. How does God restore our souls? And I'll try to be done very quickly, although no promises. I might go on for a while. So um, I I always get one amen. Praise God. I always get one amen. I'm like, I want to preach a long time. There's like two people. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Everyone else is like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So do you understand the difference in deliverance and transformation? 
you've got to understand the difference in deliverance and uh, transformation. I'm about to help you, brother. Watch this. Watch this. There's a difference in deliverance and transformation. Uh, all of us have stuff in our life we can't do anything about. I need a big amen from that section back there over there. It's stuff in our life we can't do anything about. Thank you, Diane. I know that's true of you, but it's true of other people back there, too. There's stuff in your life. You can't, you can't fix crazy, can you? You just can't fix crazy. All you do is wash your hands like Pilate. That's right. Um, uh, all of us have stuff we can't fix. All of us have stuff that hand, happened to us in our past. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, you, if you create a pile of everything you can't do anything about... Okay, I want you to make a great big pile of everything you can't do. You can't do anything about that. Then I want you to take a step back and say, this is what I need deliverance from. I created a great big pile of things I can't do anything about. And so I stand over it and I say, this is what I need deliverance from. There's nothing I can do. Oh, I wish someone would receive that into your life right now. I, I wish that you, some of you are carrying burdens you don't need to be carrying because you need to be delivered from that burden. There's nothing you can do about it. That happened in your 20s. Everybody makes some dumb decisions in their 20s. Hopefully it wasn't one of the big decisions, but maybe that too. You see what I'm saying? Everything you can't do anything about, you need deliverance. There's nothing you can do. Everything you can do something about, you need transformation. There's something you can do. If it's a mess, it's because you've been trying to fix it in the flesh. There was something you could do, and you tried to fix it in the flesh. You need to go to God and say, change my heart, Lord. Transform me. Teach me to deal with the situation without letting my temper out of the bag. Yes. Teach me. Do you see? Do you see? Everything there is, let's put it this way. It is still in play. There's something you could do. This is where you need transformation. Things you can no longer do anything about, you need deliverance. And the great work of Jesus Christ is he took the pile of things we could not do anything about and it towered over all the histories, the volumes of our histories. It towered over every evil deed, every white lie, every tragic lie, every hatred. It towered above the heavens. So great was it that it literally broke the heart of God. And he said, you see this pile? I'm going to pay for this pile right now. And he opened his arms between the heaven and earth. And he says, it is finished. And the veil of the temple was rent. And that great big pile of things you could do nothing about. Right. Amen. I've been covered, covered, covered by the blood. Washed Living in faith. Love. Love. Don't be correcting me. I'm preaching. (laughs) My God. I got staff members like correcting me on the platform. My God. This is how we're going to sing the song. I've been covered, covered, covered by the blood. Walking in faith. Even on the rug, covered, covered, covered by the blood. Melex will not correct me. All right, having fun. This is what I want to say. All the junk. Now, what has caused you pain this week? You need to figure out whether or not you need to be transformed or delivered. It's not the same thing. You see, transform, you can do something about it. It's just the way you've been handling it is more about you than it is about God. 
And if you could be transformed, you could show the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and you could show the love of God in your life, and your transformation would produce not just a good situation, but a testimony, and the whole testimonial influence of your life would see spiritual flourishing. Why? I've been changed. I've been changed. I've been changed. I'm not trying to fix that with my temper. I tried that. Didn't work the first 97 times I tried it. Now I've tried a soft anger turneth away wrath. Woo, my God, take your time. I have been transformed. There's something I can do. What are your chronic issues? You're doing it wrong. You need transformation, repentance, confession. I tried it my way. I need to be transformed. Don't leave me in this mess, oh God. Correct me. Chasten me, Lord Jesus. Let me be made right. Let me be transformed. If I keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to lose my career. If I keep going the same way, I'm going to end up addicted to this mess. If I keep going the same way, I'm going to cause a curse on my own family. I've got to be transformed, and so I'm calling on you. Fix me, oh God. Transformation. All right. Now there's another pile of stuff you can't do nothing about. They were mean to you. It was the 11th grade, and you've been playing that violin violin ever since. And now you've got this treasure chest. It's like all your favorite offenses. And sometimes you get out how this one did you wrong, and you get your little dusting class, and you dust it all off, and you hold it. Oh, look how beautiful that that particular hurt is. Let me put it back in my display case of hurts. And, And then, oh, I forgot about that. That was the year I tried to volunteer here in the youth group, and no one showed up for that event. It was like they didn't care, and I just, you know what? Nobody in the church loves me. Let me just polish this off right here. I'm just all about me, and oh, remember the time when Pastor Nate wouldn't talk to me because he already had an appointment, but they were talking about something else, and I was the, it was me that was needing the attention right there, and I didn't get, let me just polish that thing off right now. Let me tell you something about your treasure chests of offenses. You need to be delivered from every one of those vases of very, very, I better stop. Deliverance and transformation. Here's deliverance. Psalms 144 and 2. God protects me like a strong walled city and he loves me. He's my defender and my savior, my shield and my protection. I can't fight. I can't fix. So God's going to fight it and God's going to fix it. Here's transformation. Romans 8 and 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love them, who have been called according to his purpose. How can God fight the battle you can't fight? Because he went to Calvary. He was beaten. He was punished. He did not say a word. He was led out like a lamb to the slaughter. He was condemned to die without fair judgment. He was put to death for the transgressions of everyone else. He died like a criminal, was buried with the rich, even though he had done nothing wrong. He had never lied. lied. It was God's plan to cause him to suffer and make his life a guilt offering, a guilt offering for our sin, a sacrifice to bring forgiveness here, O Lord. This is the mess, this is a stack of things I can't do anything about. I can't fix it. Would you uh, make me whole? Oh, God, would you deliver me from the curse of this? Would you and his grace, his mercy is near. And on the other hand, all those things that you can't do anything about in your past, you need to put them on the pile. You need to give them to God and be delivered. But you can do something about today. You can do something about today. What do I need to do about today as my musicians come? I need to be transformed. 
I need to be transformed. I need to be transformed. He heals the brokenhearted. God will help you through this process of spiritual transformation. He will heal you. Psalms 147 and 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. To all who mourn, the prophet Isaiah said, he will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of heaviness. Not only that, in this transformation, he is going to help you release all those who have offense against you. He's going to help you forgive everyone who has done you in some way that you think is is wrong, and and maybe it was. In some cases, probably it was. Uh, You're going to let that go, and you're going to give it to God. Never avenge yourself, Paul will say. Romans 12, 19, leave that to God. He has said he will repay those who deserve it. Uh, uh, Isaiah 43 and 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you pass through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. You've got to release all the stuff you can't fix. And you've got to focus on the transformation God is trying to bring in your life. Because when you allow yourself to be transformed, it is though you begin to write a new song in your life. You're not just surviving, you're flourishing. All of a sudden, you want to do something. You're not content with what you've done. You want to do something. You want to say something. You want to write something. You want to not just repeat something. You want to create something. All of a sudden, you have a heart that's involved, an eye that sees, and out of your life comes a spiritual flourishing. Do you see? I know I've laid a lot on you here today. I don't even apologize. Stand with me all across the house. We need to understand that he restores our soul. I want to make an appeal to every one of you here today. I want to confess that some of you, I've preached to you uh, and you know it and you need to receive it. And most importantly, you need to apply it in your life. Um, I want to, if if possible, I want to emphasize this above everything else. If you're struggling to see purpose, it may be because you're in survival mode. You're not flourishing. If you're struggling to want to do something, um, you, you don't really want to do anything. You just you just kind of want to punch your ticket and be done. Uh, you're probably in a type of survival mode. There's all kind of ways in which your soul takes damage. You have to let the great physician heal your broken soul. Heal your wounded spirit. Your soul takes all kind of damage. I, miss, I, I, I mentioned three today, but there's more than three. All of our stories are unique, but oftentimes are similar. Uh, Damage comes into our life, and we must have our souls restored. And so I want to pray over you here today, and I want to to plead with you today. I want to plead with you today to, if this applies to you, accept it and take it with you. Take it into this week of devotion. Take it into this coming days of prayer where I am acknowledging the wounds in my spirit and I am asking for healing. I'm asking for restoration in my soul because here's the thing. If I am not restored, uh, it, it's not necessarily that I am lost. That's not it. It's not that. Like You can survive. You can make it. You can show up. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't that simple. This isn't a saved, lost issue. This is your spiritual productivity. This 
this is your calling. This is your ministry. This is your influence. This is the people you could change. This is the prayers you could pray. This is the family that needs you to be an intercessor. This is your ability, not just to survive, but to spiritually flourish. He restores our soul. He restores our soul. Pray with me right now all across this house. Oh God, I'm praying for restoration in the secret places of our spirit. Oh God, I'm praying for restoration in the uh, in the, the arena of our life that we have learned to cope with, oh God. We've learned to kind of go through the motions as it were, oh God. But I am praying today for real restoration of soul, real restoration of spirit, oh God. You lead me beside steel waters. You restore my soul. Oh God, I'm praying today that you would awaken within me you would awaken within everyone who hears me today, everyone watching this, wherever they are. I'm praying you would awaken a, a, a realization that you are our source of spiritual renewal. And we've got to quit trying to entertain our souls when our soul doesn't need entertainment. We've got to quit trying to, in some way, please the flesh or entertain the mind and that be a substitute for the soul. God, save us from that misconception. Restore our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. We're going to linger here in the presence of the Lord for a little while. Our worship team is going to take us deeper into worship. I'd like all of you who are comfortable, I'd like you to uh, maybe pray for someone around you. If, there's so, if you're with your family, you can uh, maybe pray with your family. If you're more comfortable, uh, step out. Find a friend. Find someone nearby. Uh, put a hand on their shoulder and speak restoration over them today in Jesus' name. This altar is going to be open and our ministry team will be moving here and also among the congregation and I'll do the same thing. Our worship team's taking us deeper into worship. Would you linger in the presence of the Lord? Would you let him flow into the, the secret places of your spirit here today? Would you close your eyes? Would you lift your hands? Lift your hearts? Oh God, restore that which has been only kind of scabbed over within our hearts. We're not just looking for a short-term coping mechanism. God, we want to put that behind us, which is behind us. And we want to look for transformation in the here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, church. Somebody help me pray right now all across the house. We're calling upon your name, Lord Jesus. Listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text give to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.